nearly quarter past 11. And what we do at this point is invite you to join us on Facebook Live if you want to join in. And more importantly, no, equally as importantly, say hello to Danny Hicks. How are you today? I'm very well, Phil. Uh, yeah, equally importantly, maybe not as importantly. We want to hear from you guys out there. So uh, do uh, do throw us your thoughts. We're going to be talking tennis and football this morning. I'll kick off with tennis because... Just a few hours ago, Rafael Nadal uh, got into the ATP Tour Finals, semi-finals of that after yeah. beating uh, the season-ending tournament in London at the O2 uh, behind closed doors. Unfortunately, no fans, but beat the reigning champion Stefano Tsitsipas of Greece and knocked him out. And this is an interesting one because Nadal's in the semi-finals. He'll play Russian, uh, the informed Russian Daniel Medvedev on Saturday in the semi-final. But Nadal, twenty Grand Slams, you know, having won the French Open this year. Um, you know, up there with Roger Federer's, you know, won more Grand Slams than anyone in, in history. Yeah. He's never won the ATP Tour Finals. It's quite an incredible record. He's never won this tournament in his entire career, having contested it, you know, since yeah, 2005, 2006. He's, he's, he lost in the 2010-2013 final. So it's really one he, he wants to, to get. So he'll play Medvedev and um, later on today or tonight, we'll find out who the other semi-final is going to be between. That'll be uh, uh, Dominic Team, who's already through the US Open champion, will face Ivan Novak Djokovic or Alexander Zverev, who play later on today. So, um, you know, Nadal, it's amazing to say it after all he's achieved that he has, he's never won this event. Um, mm. And uh, so he really wants he really wants to tick it off his CV. Uh, uh, but an event he has won, of course, um, is the Australian Open, and that's due to take place uh, beginning on January the 18th, so less than two months away, and it is in a certain amount of turmoil at the moment uh, down there in Melbourne because um, and and being talked about as if it might be scrapped or the the, the, the Australian summer of tennis <laughs> may be over before it's begun because um, there's been letters and emails flying from uh, the organisers and the ATP Tour and the WTA are in a sort of unholy row with the government of Victoria State, of mm. course, of which Melbourne. Uh, is is part of because Victoria, as we know, uh, as as listeners to your show will will know because of your regular chats with your Australian friends, will know that Melbourne has only just come out of a very very long lockdown. And like a, a coiled one. spring over there at the moment, I tell you. Yeah, and they but they do not want to go back into another one, so they're terrified of introducing infection. And basically, the Melbourne government has said that no player will be allowed to arrive. Uh, before January the 1st. No one's going to be allowed to arrive in December. Then they have to do two weeks quarantine. And it's up in the air whether they'll even be allowed in a sort of practice bubble to go to practice courts during quarantine within an isolated bubble and practice. And that potentially means that players arrive on January the 1st, they have to do 14 days quarantine with no practice or training facilities, and then begin a Grand Slam four days later on the 18th of January. And understandably, a lot of players are saying, no, you know, you can't do this. And I know because I've covered the Australian Open, I'll be covering it if it goes ahead. I'm due to cover it this year, but I won't be going. I'll be having to do it virtually like I'm talking to you now. And Just want to point out here that, you know, Danny obviously is a sport editor at AFP and through his day job, really, he get he did get to travel to some wicked yeah. events, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I've done two out of the last three Australian Opens and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I do the Formula One. Grand Prix in, in, in Asia and big golf tournaments and so on and football matches and so on. Uh, very privileged to be able to do so. The last World Cup in Russia I, I covered 
uh, for AFP and and for RTHK, must be said. Um, but uh, it, you know, uh, the, the, this uh, it's like we've had during COVID. I, I can understand on the one hand the Melbourne government saying we don't want you know hundreds of tennis players from all over the world. And let's face it, COVID cases are going through the roof in Europe at the moment. They're going through the roof in America yeah. and other parts of the world. And they've just conquered it in Melbourne, uh, in particular, and Victoria uh, as a whole. And, and now we're looking at other parts of Australia as caution areas, aren't we, South? Rick's yeah. just written to us huge crowds in Brisbane. Australia. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, you know, in sort of COVID-free Queensland, we've had 52,000 this week in the stadium to see the third state of origin game. It wasn't that fantastic to see a, <laughs> a, a big crowd like that. The biggest crowd anywhere in the world since the pandemic began at a sporting event. So fantastic. And um, we've got Australia against Argentina rugby tomorrow uh, in Sydney. Um, a, another big crowd expected there. But in Victoria, the situation is very different. The yeah. borders have been closed to South Australia. No players are going to be allowed in. And, and you know, some of the players this week have been asked about it. And Bruno Suarez, a leading doubles player, has said it would be dangerous to play in the Australian night. I go down there and I know temperatures can hit 40, 45 degrees in January. Uh, not throughout the tournament, but they can. But say that happened on the first day of the tournament. You haven't trained for two weeks. You haven't acclimatised because you've been stuck in a hotel room. You've had two or three days practice as a player, which is not enough going into a Grand Slam. A Grand Slam is not like a normal tournament. Mm. It's two weeks. It's a slog. And you could have done all that quarantine, losing the first round and be on the plane back home again. I mean, do you really want to endure that as a player? So there's real talk at the moment that a number of big-name players won't go if they can't practice during quarantine at least. Um, Rafa Nadal said he will go if he can practice during quarantine, but he's probably not going to go. He didn't go to the US Open, remember, for similar reasons. Novak Djokovic, defending champion, of course, has won more times in Australia than anyone else. He said he will definitely go quarantine or no quarantine. Um, but it's up in the air. If enough big name players pull out, does it devalue the tournament as it did, I think, with the US Open? Or do we run the risk of... See, the Australian Open organisers... Another uh, another option open to them is to push the tournament back a week or two so the players can quarantine, then play a couple of warm-up events and then um, play the Open. But they don't want to do that because then the tournament would fall outside the school summer holidays. And one of the big earners for the tournament, which, which contributes about $30 million to Tennis Australia coffers each year mm. and brings in a huge amount of money for the, for the region in tourism anyway, is the fact that the kids are on school holidays, families go. If they're going to have crowds, you know, they can get families in, they can do events around the tennis. So they're reluctant to push the tennis back so it, it would be after the school holidays have ended. So there's all sorts of complications involved. As I say, there's an unholy row going on, it seems, at the moment between Tennis Australia and their chief, Craig Tiley, the ATP Tour, the WTA Tour for the women, and the Victorian government. And... Um, who knows when it's going to end? It looks like there's no resolution in sight. And meanwhile, the players are left in limbo. And the, the WTA tour has told the women players, uh, if you normally celebrate Christmas, then um, you'll be doing it at home this year. That was an email that went out. They said, and, they were and the women were expecting to travel by December the 14th to go into quarantine and be ready to play at the end of December. So there's an incredible mess going on down there and uh, can only hope one way or another it gets resolved soon um, because we'd like to see the Australian. It's one of the highlights of my sporting year, um, but you don't want to see it in a diminished form and um, you don't want to see it really. One of the things about Tennis Australia in the, the, the summer of, is, is all the lead-up tournaments the Australian Open as well. They've got the ATP Cup, they've got Brisbane, Hobart, all 
none of those are going to go ahead, it looks like, either. So it's going to be a very, very strange uh, summer of tennis down under. I hope they get it resolved soon. Yeah. Having had a little rant about that, let's move on to the Premier League because he's back this year. And would you believe today is the anniversary of Jose Mourinho taking the reins at Tottenham after Maurizio Pochettino was uh, sacked in dramatic fashion a year ago? Um, and I thought I'd do a little progress report on, on you know, what's happened uh, in that year and, and how's he got on. Well, they were in the bottom half of the league when Pochettino was sacked. They were virtually out of the Champions League, having reached the final just a few months earlier out of the League Cup and um, well uh, they're second in the league now uh, they're going well in the Europa League in the last eight of the League Cup so you have to say um, it's it's a bit of a thumbs up for Jose at the moment but you know he's kind of changed the mindset at Tottenham uh, to me as a Tottenham fan as everyone will know there's a huge difference in the way that you know they went behind at Man United away from home they went behind at Southampton this season they came back and won handsomely 5-2 and 6-1 They've uh, they've got a bit more still. They've won games. He he he's he's got rid of that sort of nice guys tag. There was a very telling part of the documentary on on Amazon, uh, the All or Nothing documentary, when they were playing Man City. Funny enough, who they're playing this weekend last year, when he said, you know, he berated the team with, with language that I can't use on RTHK. Um, but the gist of it was, nice guys don't win football games. You've got to be x x x x, and. It worked. They beat Man City 2-0 that day. They turned it around and you know, ended up having a good run at the end of the season, despite having injuries to Son Heung-min and Harry Kane and, and, and getting into the Europa League. So I think he's, he's certainly made progress and he's, he's building a squad there. He's, he's built a defence. He's introduced the two wing-backs, Doherty and Regulon, who are helping supply the front line. He's got options now in midfield. And, of course, the biggest coup of all yeah. was getting Gareth Bale back from Real Madrid. And... Um, you know, it's something that's really given a lift to the fans. It's obviously given a lift to Gareth Bale, and he's been talking about it last week. And unlike his time at Real Madrid, the Welshman now sounds happy. It's nice to be back playing, nice to be at a place where I'm where I'm wanted. I feel loved. And, um, yeah, obviously just getting my fitness back now, getting up to full fitness. And, yeah, being back playing is, is what makes every footballer happy. So, um, yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm in a good place at the moment. And uh been, what, now six weeks since I come back. So, um yeah, it's just about building. It takes a little bit of time, especially when you're a little bit older. So, um, yeah, I'm just excited now um, just to get back to, to, to full fitness. And, and yeah, I think, um, yeah, hopefully it won't be too long. So Tottenham playing Man City tomorrow, which I think is, there's two big games this weekend to look out for. I won't go through all the matches, but Tottenham Man City tomorrow. That's 1.30 in the morning, Sunday morning kickoff our time, unfortunately, 5.30 UK time. Tottenham against Man City. Mourinho against Guardiola, two old rivals. And Man City boosted by the news that uh, overnight that Pep Guardiola has signed an extension to his contract, a two-year contract extension that will see him through to 2023 at Manchester City. And he was asked, asked uh, how he felt after signing his new deal. Well, as a manager, uh, I have everything that I need. So, especially, I know all the managers will depend on the results. Uh, of course, me as well. And I have to do. We have to win to 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 continue. But uh, I saw many many times in the bad moments how the people uh, here support me. We have a long talk, long talks this week. We put and uh, the the both sides to to continue or not. And at the end, we decide the best for for all of us is uh, continue because still we have 
the feeling that still is not unfinished business and still we have uh, you know something to do continue what we have done the last years yeah interesting there he's talking about unfinished business i think he's referring to uh, the champions league of course the one title that has eluded him at city um it's nine years now since pep guardiola won the champions league the second of his two champions league wins with barcelona in between time is also a highly successful manager at bayern munich uh, the current champions league uh, champions if you like european champions um but he never won the Champions League with them, despite winning the league three times in a row. He's been with um, City now since the start of, what, the 2016-17 season. Dominated domestically, two Premier League titles, an FA Cup, three League Cups since joining, numerous uh, community shields. But he has failed to lead Manchester City in four attempts past the quarterfinals of the Champions League. And I think when he's talking about unfinished business there, that's really what's great in him, that he knows he wants to... He needs to take Manchester City or establish them in the elite, in the sort of top six or eight clubs in Europe. And to do that, you have to consistently be in the semi-finals or finals of the Champions League and win it. And I think he's uh, signed that extension. With, he won't say it publicly, but I think his goal over the next couple of seasons is that elusive uh, Champions League success in Europe. Mm. Um, he's proved he can build teams over and over again to win titles domestically. He's done it at Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Manchester City, everywhere he's gone. He needs now to do it again in Europe. So interesting that. Of course, the other big clash at the top of the table is on Sunday where we've got Liverpool against Leicester. Unfortunately, the timings for TV mean that's at 7.15 in the evening in the UK, which means it's 2.15 in the morning, Liverpool and Leicester fans, on Monday morning if you want to get up and watch that one or stay up and watch it. And... Um, you know, it's, uh, it's first v third. Uh, Leicester, the leaders, um, or they might not be leaders by the time we get to Sunday. If Tottenham beat Man City, they will be top. But uh, Leicester, the leaders at the moment, and uh, they're playing Liverpool in third place. And, you know, Liverpool, I think, are doing great at the moment to be third, despite, you know, a, a growing and mounting injury, COVID list, uh, players missing. They're one point off. They're only one point off the top, one point behind Leicester. And, of course, if they win, they could be back on top if, if Spurs fail to, to beat City. But the, the problems for Jurgen Klopp, the managers, just keep mounting, don't they? I mean, this week, during, during England's international uh, break, um, Joe Gomez has suffered an injury in, in training for England, not even during the match. And he could be out for much of the rest of the season. So there's another central defender who suffered the, the sort of central defending injury curse after Virgil van Dijk and uh, Fabinho and others. Um, and jo and uh, Jordan Henderson uh, was sent home from England training uh, with tightness in his hamstrings. And, and it's unlikely he'll play this weekend. They're, as I said, they're already without Van Dyke. Um, they're without fullback Tr Trent Alexander-Arnold, uh, Thiago Alcantara, Alex Osclain-Chamberlain still out, Fabinho still out. And not only that, then Mo Salah goes away with Egypt. He doesn't even get a chance to get injured in a game because he tests positive for COVID, has to sit out the game uh, on Egypt duty, and he's still uh, in isolation. Mm. So he missed the game as well. But maybe not such a problem for Liverpool with Diogo Jota up front uh, to come in, who's in great form. On the plus side, Matip, Joel Matip, should be fit again and will line up in central defence, probably against the rookie Nat Phillips. And it's looking like Costa Sibikas, the summer signing from Olympiacos, will make a debut at left back. And the midfield, I mean, anyone's 
guesses who are going to be in the midfield. Probably Wijnaldum, Naby Keita and Curtis Jones. Up front, it'd be more familiar. Mane, Firmino and Jota. But a real chance for Brendan Rodgers and the Leicester team to get one over uh, their old side, his old side, Liverpool, and go back top of the table and really establish their title credentials. All right, Danny, that's all she wrote for today. I've got to get to the news, mate. Thank you so much for your time. That's Danny Hicks with Sports and All, and we will be doing that at the same time next week. (laughs) 